Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Okay, so I don't actually know. But I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot. And for good reason. HubSpot's all-on-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you could save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com startups. Good morning, everyone. It's Friday, February 9th. I'm John Weigel here with Noel Medina, and this is the Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're focusing on the Super Bowl halftime show, an on average $10 million production that features some of the biggest artists. The catch? Those artists don't get paid. So why do they do the halftime show at all, and what are the economics behind it? I'm hoping to answer those questions today with the help of Noel Medina, who produced a video about the Super Bowl halftime show on the Hustle YouTube channel. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, let's give you the hits and headlines across business and tech. First up, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour movie will be streaming on Disney Plus after making $260 million in theaters, which makes it the top-selling concert film of all time. Think you've had enough Taylor Swift for the day? You haven't. Because the pop star who has faced criticism before her travel methods just also got rid of her Dassault Falcon 900 private jet, which sells for about $44 million brand new. She now has to slum it with the rest of us with only one private plane. Sorry, Taylor. Moving over to Google. Google has officially rebranded its AI assistant and chatbot Bard. The company's bot now goes by Gemini, which is named after the AI models that power it, along with a new app and subscription options to it. This, I think, really takes down the confusion levels a bit. I was hearing Gemini. I was hearing Bard from a lot of different sources. So glad that they've just consolidated to Gemini. In driverless car news, a Waymo vehicle crashed into a cyclist in San Francisco because it didn't see them in time. The cyclist wasn't seriously hurt, but still, it's not great news for self-driving cars, one of the many problems that they're currently facing. And finally, Disney announced a $1.5 billion investment in the Fortnite maker Epic Games, allowing the companies to work together on an all-new games and entertainment universe together, which involves Disney characters. Excited to see that in the near future. And on to the main story for today. Today's big story is about the big game and more specifically about the halftime show. Artists still do not get paid for this around $10 million production. So how exactly do they benefit? I have Noel Medina here with me to tell us exactly how. Welcome, Noel. Thanks for being here again. How are you doing? I'm doing great, John. How are you? Great. I'm super good. Uh, Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. Everybody's super excited about it. Yep. And the biggest part of the Super Bowl for me and for many is the halftime show. Oh, yeah. For you personally, you got a favorite halftime show? I've got a couple. I can vividly remember. I think it was 2011 when the Black Eyed Peas performed. Oh, yeah. That was such an awesome performance. I remember that super vividly. I also remember in 2016 when Coldplay performed and brought out Bruno Mars, Beyonce. Yeah. That was pretty spectacular. And then, of course, I got to, you know, acknowledge the other queen in the Super Bowl halftime room, which is Rihanna. She performed last year and absolutely killed it while pregnant. Amazing. Yeah, that was the big asterisk at the end of that performance. And everybody the next day was like, oh, she was wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there have been a ton of great halftime performances over the course of the history of the show. 
And just to get a scope on this whole thing, this whole halftime show business, what are the viewership numbers like on the halftime show every year? Yeah. So the numbers really seem to just keep leveling up year to year. I think ever since really like 2012, that's when we sort of broke through to the 100 million viewership mark. And it really hasn't dipped below that since then. Rihanna, of course, really upped the ante last year with roughly 120 million viewers. And just to put that into perspective for you, John, the televised moon landing in 1969 was watched by about 130 million Americans. So Rihanna's halftime show comes in second place as the most watched televised event in American history. Pretty wild. That's pretty crazy. I didn't even realize there was a list like this, but I'm very happy that whoever sees it will see Moon Landing, number one, number two, Rihanna at the Super Bowl. Rihanna, yeah. Great lineup. All-star lineup. Incredible. <laughs> of course, a bunch of artists clamor to do this every year, and there's a lot of interest in it from the public. But also, of course, the Super Bowl is kind of this big advertising juggernaut as well. Yeah. What do advertisers usually pay for a placement on this event with you know now over 100 million, if not 120 million viewers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is another number that keeps increasing year over year. So I looked this up and I think it was back in 2014, advertisers were paying nearly $5 million, which is a lot of money. Now we're sitting at $7 million per 30 second ad, which if you break that down, John, that's $233,000 per second. So you're looking at paying about 30 Bentleys for 30 seconds of airtime during the Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. That is a lot of money. So do you have 30 Bentleys? Uh, <laughs> you know, not on hand right now. Not on I mean, hand, I'd have right. to talk to my um, agent, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, but I don't. That's crazy, man. Like I, I even used to work in advertising back in like 2016 or something. And one of the accounts that we dealt with was Pepsi. And that one, obviously, they have to have a Super Bowl spot every year. And that was kind of the root of everybody's stress at the agency for about four months before the Super Bowl happened. So I can understand it's like a lot of money, big money deals and big money stress all around the board for advertisers for sure. And are there any brands that you can point to that made just a massive investment like that this last Super Bowl? So I'm not totally sure about the last Super Bowl, but during Super Bowl 56, Amazon reportedly spent a whopping $22 million on its ad for Amazon Alexa, wow. which I don't know if you remember, it featured Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson. That's right. Husband, wife, you know, comedy duo. Uh-huh. And kind of the whole premise of the ad was what would happen if Alexa could have the ability of reading your mind. A really fun ad. But yeah, they poured $22 million wow. into that ad which is just wild. That is absolutely insane. And, you know, considering that some numbers show that cable TV is kind of going down, but viewership for this event remains to go up, weirdly enough. Why do you think brands still jump at the opportunity and spend all this money for a 30-second piece of the Super Bowl? Yeah, I was talking to a professor of communications at Penn State about this. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me, you know, it's kind of hard to measure the exact ROI of that ad spend for these brands not many of them have published any sort of concrete numbers around their return on investment, whether it relates to revenue, sales increases, just like general brand exposure. But we do know, you know, for those of us who watch the Super Bowl every year just for the commercials, 
there are some definite repeat customers in there. <laughs> Pepsi being one of them, Coca-Cola. Yep. I'm thinking about Budweiser, oh, yeah. Taco Bell, of course. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, there's incentive every year for them to shell out millions to secure this ad space. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, without really saying it, it's pretty obvious that they're gaining huge benefits from having an ad in the Super Bowl. Definitely. I mean, I don't know if you're a huge football fan yourself, but for a lot of people like me, it's all about the commercials and it's also all about the halftime show. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I do enjoy watching the game, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm kind of one of those people like I'm a little bit of a floater in the NFL where like whoever's doing well I'm like, that's my team. Right. Like, shout out to the Detroit Lions right now. Yeah, you know, seriously. I'm repping the blue. <laughs> yeah. But no, I love watching for the ads. Of course, that is just like advertising as an art form. Right. Right. And also the halftime show, the production value of the halftime show, it just keeps getting better and better. And mm-hmm. kind of on the baseline of it, what I've read is that the NFL does cover all production costs and they usually spend about $10 million on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is some incredible cost. And It's weird that they would spend that much on producing the halftime show. And yet, for some reason, the artists that perform in the halftime show don't get paid or actually even end up losing money for the show. Can you talk a bit about why that is? Yeah, I mean, they don't get paid. I don't believe any of them have ever gotten paid. And sort of the trade-off there is that they're getting paid in exposure. Right. Now, you mentioned that some artists lose money. I would say that they spend their own dollars investing in the show. So they're paying totally out of pocket, sometimes as much as $7 million. We've seen The Weeknd do that. In 2021, Dr. Dre did the same thing in 2022 for his huge group performance in LA. But getting paid in exposure is a huge return on their investment of doing the show essentially for free. Mm -hmm. We've seen J-Lo, she gained, I think, 2 million followers on social media after her performance. The weekend again, he became the number one artist on Spotify following his performance. So, I mean, if you're not going to get a paycheck, you might as well become the number one artist or gain 2 million followers. Right. I think that's actually a pretty good exchange. Of course. And we were talking about advertising earlier. I mean, I, I always think back to like Rihanna's display of Fenty product during her halftime oh show last year. And Iconic. How, I mean, that must have just exploded for her after that. Yeah, I think it was just 12 hours following her performance that Rihanna had generated close to $90 million in media impact value for Fenty Beauty. And that specific setting powder was everywhere. I mean, people were Googling it. Again, it's hard to say exactly what the sales were on that product because I don't believe that Fenty published those numbers. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine that There were lots of women, myself may have been included um, in that group, literally running to Sephora or Ulta, wherever you could get your hands on Fenty after the show to get that specific setting powder. I mean, it was just such an interesting moment in commercial culture to see this artist essentially using the Super Bowl halftime show, not only as an advertisement for herself as an artist, but also for her brand Fenty Beauty. Yeah, it was very impressive. I mean, now that the artists that do this show, I mean, it's kind of, I'm sure in the back of a lot of their minds, like, what are they promoting? What are they doing with this opportunity? You know, you're broadcast probably the most people that watch cable TV every year. What do you want to do with them watching you? And now we have Usher coming up this weekend and doing his halftime show. Is there anything that you think he is looking to promote or anything that he would like to get out there? Yeah. So word on the street, John, is that now this is according to Billboard, is that Usher is going to be announcing a tour 
shortly after his big halftime performance mm. this year. So we will wait and see what happens. Okay. But I feel pretty good about that, given that Billboard is the source there. I trust them. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? You give the people a great show, you give them kind of a sample size, and then you're like, yeah. oh, come see. It's like an advertisement for his tour, basically. Exactly. Which, which is very interesting and like very smart. Yeah. Well done. And now one last thing that I wanted to hit on, given that we've all thought of the halftime show as the uh, the Pepsi halftime show for so long. Recently, it flipped. I believe last year was the first year that it was actually the Apple Music mm-hmm. halftime show. With that branding change, do you see anything changing going forward with how the show is in terms of promotion and what they're marketing? Because obviously, like yeah. Apple Music and artists, probably a great combo. Oh, Yeah. It's like PB&J out here. <laughs> and not to say that, you know, Pepsi sounds like your former employer. Yeah, like loosely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loosely. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many years they own the show, but we really came to expect a dynamite show from them. Right. And I think as a sponsor, they did a phenomenal job. I think Apple is really proving itself as a great new sponsor of the show. They're paying $50 mm-hmm. million dollars every year to be able to have their name attached to the show, which is, you know, probably a drop in the bucket for Apple. But still, I mean, it's it's a decent chunk of change. And I do think that a lot more artists are going to kind of think twice before they turn down the show, because we've seen a couple artists in the past say no. Mm -hmm. And I think with Apple's endorsement, there's going to be a lot more opportunity for cross promotion of music sales, of, you know, streaming. I think a lot of people are going to go to Apple Music to listen to that artist following their performance. So there's a ton of cross promotion opportunities here for both Apple and the artists. Totally. Yeah. And that's awesome to hear. And I think you and I are probably both super excited to watch the halftime show this weekend. And oh, yeah. thank you so much for being here and giving us the breakdown of the economics behind the whole thing. My pleasure. Cool. Thanks, Noel. All right. That'll do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. And we'll see you next week. Enjoy the big game. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about this great podcast that's available right now. Creator Science, hosted by Jay Klaus, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, which is the audio destination for business professionals. Creator Science goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. And by learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, Creator Science can help you gain tools and confidence to do exactly the same. I was actually listening to an episode recently where Jay had on Dr. K, who is a Harvard psychiatrist. And Dr. K helps a lot of creators with performance, burnout, and dealing with a lot of negative feedback online. It's a great hour of conversation with Dr. K, where Dr. K really breaks down what it means to be a creator today and the burnout that a lot of creators do experience and what to do when you get that burnout, because you will. And you can listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts, and I definitely suggest it. Listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts.